Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to the horniest season of the worst idea of all time on record. I'm Guy Montgomery. I'm joined by my esteemed and potentially aroused associate, Tim Bat. Nope. No, he's neither esteemed nor aroused. We have just watched Emmanuel, The Art of Love, independently but simultaneously, separated by health protocols and suburbs but not by our media consumption. Now, you might remember in the previous episode of The Worst Idea of All Time, we watched a film that was originally recorded in English, overdubbed in Russian or German, but the sync played in almost perfect synchronicity with the English underneath it. In what almost was, being the operative word. Yeah, truly one of the most challenging oral experiences I've had while watching a film. This time, mercifully... They have removed all of the English. So we just watched Emmanuel <laughs> exclusively in German. Yeah. I feel like I can speak German now, which I know academically isn't true, but there, I feel it in my bones. Certainly bits of German I picked up. For example, did you know that um, Oh Baby is the same in German as it is in English? The colloquial use of baby as an affectionate term for a spouse or partner, that transcends the language barrier. I didn't. I didn't know that. To watching um, Emmanuel and the Art of Love from the Emmanuel two thousand series, but now I do. I also know that um, occasionally when you're German and you're speaking only in German, every now and then you will say "kiss me," as in mm. "Oh baby, Marco, kiss me." Yes, that is uh, another German English. Who was that? Um, was it Adam Sandler? It was in the Spanglish movie. Am I remembering famed, that famed linguist Adam Sandler. That's right. Uh, and his co-star Selma Hayek in that one. Do you know what? I've always thought it was Selma Hayek, but I I have a suspicion that it was just a lookalike. Really? This is what I think, but I'm I think I'm it's open someone famous. 
I think it's I think it's a pretty Pez famous... Pez Vega. Pez Vega. Ah, okay. You know you know Pez Vega. Anyway when you can't get Selma, you get Pez. I was searching for a word that articulates the German English sort of hybrid as Spanglish does Spanish and English. Jim English doesn't in work. German. I mean in nothing's German's gonna, gross. Really gonna hit well in German's not bad for a for a porn film then. But my favorite part of German, the German language, is um mm. is when they say what is that in German? It is just was ist das? It's sort of I know that the that German probably predates or is on equal footing in terms of timing with English. Yeah. But my ignorant understanding of that is they're like, Well, we kinda like the rhythm of what is that, but we wanted <laughs> to have a little German tang. Was ist das? It's like it's fun to it's say, just, isn't it? It's just perfect. But yeah, I mean, what we just watched was, uh, I think, as you correctly speculated early on, Tim, a TV edit. Now, of... here's the fucked up thing about that. The Germans, known for being a filthy people who love porn, but for some reason in this, I'm assuming, German TV edit, they've cut out like 80% of the sex scenes, I'm guessing. Because you yeah, can tell you where of... the sex scenes kick off, and then and then there's a very awkward cut, and then we're back to no sex. It's honestly, it was almost merciful. Like it, it mm. really highlights just how much of the time when you're watching porn is taken up by the sex scenes, namely we can tell a you, third of it. Yeah, like exactly a third, because this clocked in at I think 57 minute running time, and normally they're 90. And I was not wanting for silhouettes of penis or, you know, tasteful shots of uh, hided mound. I was very grateful for all the nudity I came across. There's the thing, right? Because they, they still had, um, we had some female breasts. Uh, we had kind of like the same amount of anatomy that we've had in the other Emmanuel films. But just less pained, languid sex scenes where we've got to cover the genitals of everyone. They, yeah, they really tightened it. And I, look, I know this is quite early in the show to introduce this segment, Tim, but I've got to get the boner inspector in here. I actually was thinking we should introduce the episode with him in. So this is, I forgot to do it at the start. Please open the door, get him in here. Get him in here. Boner inspector! Hello, sir. Um, uh, guten Tag. Guten Morgen. Ah, yeah, guten Tag. I see you've been watching my uh, one of my German experiments. Yeah. Uh, well, no, please. Uh, no boner. <laughs> Sorry, I don't uh, want to jump the gun here. No boner. There, there simply wasn't an opportunity. I was too enthralled in the story of some Thomas Crown-esque art heist film with just a hint of female nipple strewn about the place. Wow. But there wasn't enough um, sustained erotic content to get my humours rising. How about well, you, I would, guy? I would love to talk to the bonus inspector about a, 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 a situation or segment I would either call, and this is your call, Tim, and the bonus inspectors, either turgid time or <laughs> boner on the offbeat. Okay, boner on the offbeat, please. <laughs> so there's a scene, they go back to an apartment. There's the man and the woman, Marco and a blonde woman who looks Zoe? a little bit like Al, Al McPherson. Zoe. Oh, yeah. And they go back to the apartment and Emmanuel has sort of, she's 
tapped onto them in some way and she's there. And then another guy who looks like a carbon copy of Marco, like his brother, shows up. Paolo. Yeah. Was that, is that, was that his name? His name's Paolo. I'm pretty sure it's that guy. Anyway, yeah. when, the bro- when the brothers were saying hello to each other, and this is why it's called uh, Boner on the Offbeat, or turgid time, not full-blown boner, but the closest I've come to having an erection in the entirety of the Emmanuel series, in a way that I observed in my body and outside of myself, and I said, oh, this is a familiar feeling. What's this doing here? Was that scene. And then, before it could even reach its final form, it dissipated. But, um, I mean, it's not nothing. It's something to tell the boner inspector. I, I, I would like to drill down on which scene this was as no one drilled down within the scene because this was a sex-free edit. But was this when uh, the two, the couple that wasn't Emmanuel, they had sex and then Emmanuel walked in and then the guy from the other couple proposed on the spot? Well, b- before we get into this, we just need to both make sure we're clear that Emmanuel is the, she was, she's the blonde, the non-Al McPherson lookalike, the blonde woman. Dude, I'm so sure we both can lock into which one she was. They a lot of people okay. talked to her and t- called her by her yeah. name. So, but the the scene that I the way I saw it was uh, the the non Emmanuel couple, mm. them and Emmanuel. There's no sex happening at all. They all just go back to the apartment in San Francisco. They're all in the apartment. They're all standing around, hanging out, catching up, talking about whatever it is Jim and people talk about. And then a, a, this guy comes over, Paolo, and he knocks on mm. the door, and he mm. enters the room. Yeah, and that's when I noticed that I was uh, entering turgid time or having a boner uh, on the offbeat. And then right. the the friends familiarize each other, and then the non Emmanuel and Paolo couple they leave, as does my boner. And then Emmanuel and Paolo have some sort of tryst, some sort of erotic moment. And then the non Emmanuel couple come home with champagne. And yeah. Emmanuel and Paolo are still naked, and it's all yeah. super relaxed. And I kind of admire the freedom with which they're living their lives. Very and then German. Marco proposes to Al McPherson, and she says yes. And this is arousing to all parties. Hmm. Um, but I yeah, really it was, it was, thought it was crazy to me that that did not turn into a foursome. I know. I couldn't agree more. Um. I thought that was what we look, what we had to look forward to. I was disappointed it didn't. But I mean, by this point, I'd I'd already had you know a boner drift in and out the door, and mm-hmm. um, so to the boner oh, inspector, I say thank you for your consistency mm-hmm. in showing up. It is a pleasure to have something to report to you. I'm sorry mm-hmm. it wasn't um, you know, like in New Zealand we have a there's a uh, this is probably international maritime law everywhere. But if you catch a fish. Different fish have to meet different measurements to be qualified as keepers. And uh, if you were to measure my boner against the keeper measurement, I don't think mm-hmm. it would have been a legal boner. You'd have to throw it back into the ocean to grow into its full full self. This was but an undersized that, boner. If the boner inspector has been fishing for how many weeks without any yeah. bites, you've got yeah. to admire the stick to of the boner inspector. And you've also got to say, hey, guess what? There are some fish down there. Keep dropping that line, brother. <laughs> well, it's very good to get a bite every now and then just to justify being on the water, isn't it? It's Absolutely. Important. I mean, but, you know, you can have a lovely time on the water. <laughs> I 
I, I think this analogy might have looks. You can have a lovely time on the water without going fishing. Well, I guess that's what we're doing in a way, isn't it? <laughs> yes. We're, we're just getting out on the water every week. Um, and there's, there's been no big bites so far. And you tell your, you tell your friends, you go, oh, Till and I were out on the boat again last week. They go, did you catch any fish? You go, oh, no, we're not fishing. We are fishing in a way. We're fishing for erections. I want to try and figure out what this uh, film was about with you guys, piece it together. Um, here's, here's what I've got. Uh, San Francisco, that's where we are, I believe. Um, it's not the movie opens with a pretty straightforward plot, which is that there's an art heist going on. Right. Um, so a guy comes in and swaps a painting over, which is uh, quite visibly a child's painting both times and done right. on ca- yeah. like a piece of cardboard that he takes out of a frame, which is not glassed over or secured in any way, shape, say, or form. You say that, but fine artists, once they've refined their technique and have displayed mm-hmm. a technical prowess, it sort of unlocks the ability to then engage with art however they so choose. And so a painting that you see could have been done by a child. But yes. This is, in fact, high art. I see. My, that's, you, that's my bad. Are you one of the people who goes into an art gallery and you see like a Jackson Pollock and you say, I could do that? Not a Jackson Pollock, specifically. Um... So, yeah, I've like I've seen uh, examples of like solid color that's been painted on a panel, and I'm like, I don't know if this should be here. This one, I don't know. In fact, I'm going to say it shouldn't, because I think just a block of solid color is it's not really what's it doing, you know? Where do you think it should be? What's a more appropriate place for it? Put it at home. If you want to make it, far be it for me to stop you. But maybe put that one at home. It doesn't so you need question, to. Less than the take artist, you space. question the judgment of the curator. I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, artists can do whatever they want. Big, big believer in that. Art galleries have a duty to the audience. Can't just go whacking up a a huge frame that's one solid painted color. You know, you're kind of wasting my time. Do I go to the art gallery every day? No, I don't. I don't get there very often. So when I get there. I want a little. Uh, I want. I want. I want something good. Something special. Oh, what? What is wrong? Like, I think some of the most striking art you could see is just one specifically chosen block color painted with a variety of intensity of brush strokes on the canvas. And I guess that's why you're wrong, isn't it? Mm. Because you think that that is something that deserves to be in an art gallery. So it's, it's I interesting. Any, that. I think anything could deserve to be in an art gallery. Isn't it interesting how we're different like that guy and that you sometimes are wrong? (laughs) And so are the art curators, to their credit as well. So I guess you've got that in common. So maybe you could be an art curator at a gallery. That's right, Tim. It's not you. It's everyone else who is the problem. (laughs) 100%. I've always said that, which means it's definitely true. It also no, kind of depends it. how big it is, to be honest. Because it's like, if it's really big, I would almost be, um, I would be tricked into thinking it was that justified. That is such a classic confidence <laughs> trick. It's just yeah. like doing something on a massive scale, and then everyone goes, oh, yeah. Well, that's a big one of those. How'd you, <laughs> how'd like, you yeah, find okay. a big enough canvas and enough paint? Mm. Exactly. 
So there's a there's an art heist. Anyway, it kind of looked like someone had sat on a photocopier with their butt and taken a photocopy. That's what yeah. it, it was. Two spheres. Pe- it was two like peach coloured ovals, not mm, quite touching, buttocks. but very close to each other. On a I can't remember what colour, but a fairly plain background. And it was it was a it was a simple painting, but I could see why it was desired. That got swapped out for reasons that I couldn't quite ascertain because my German is rusty. But then Emmanuel seemed to intervene on the situation and I'm delighted to report uh to, to our listening audience that the shitty two dollar shop jewellery is back. Which leads me to believe it is the centerpiece of Emmanuel 2000. The no central denying. device that ties all of these movies together, both in a literal sense and in a plot device sense, is something that I think I have seen at $2 shops my entire life. It's undeniably the, the binding agent for this series. Emmanuel has a sort of headband slash tiara with a plastic heart on the front of it, and when she puts it on, if... By chance, someone is wearing the matching plastic silver necklace. She can exercise mind control over that person. We don't know why. We don't know necessarily to what end. Mm. Actually, but, I learned another German word that's similar to the English, and that is amulet. Ah. That was said a couple of times. And I well, like that they an, were calling it an amulet as well. What is an, an amulet? amulet? as I would say. An amulet is like a um, piece of jewelry that... Well, the way I know it, it has magical properties to it. So it's usually in a necklace, I think. And it's like a physical object that's imbued with some, some magic. Oh, wow. Is, so is like protective um, amulets. Hermione Granger has that time turner. Oh, I'm not a Harry Potter guy. Guy, Is that an amulet? It's a necklace that can you can sort of fuck around with the fabric of time using it. It's an amulet. Maybe. I don't know. I've been... I haven't read the books. Yeah, well, they're they're having a huge resurgence at the moment as everyone rallies around J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I heard she's uh, back in everyone's good graces. Yeah, she just can't help herself. Every time she opens her mouth, the public love her more. Mm. Good for her. Um, What I kind of was taken aback by was there's one scene, despite the fact that a lot of the sex scenes got edited out, and as I mentioned, I don't feel like we missed a lot through that because we still saw some semi-naked people. You don't see full penetrative sex in any of these movies anyway. Um, but there was like dry humping depicted as real sex. So it was kind of like the thing that I think they're doing in some of the other movies and some of the other scenes, with, but they're just like shooting around it and that you know below the waist maybe some of the actors are wearing something. Um, but in this, it was like the characters had jeans on and a, and a dress, but they were like dry humping to completion against a wall. I think that's really cool. And <laughs> maybe go somewhere to explain why I thought dry humping was such a, um, a hot option as a teen. Mm. I mean, as an adult, I look at dry humping and I think, Sure, it's a great place to get started. It's like rubbing a couple of sticks together, but, you know. I think it needs a rebrand. Dry humping is a um, horrible turn of phrase. Both words are quite bad. Does it not not capture exact... Like, I imagine sort of 
denim on denim. Um, and I can actually almost hear the jeans rubbing against one another. I think it captures oh. the essence of what is happening so perfectly. A name change would be insanity. But it, it isn't very positive. Like, I feel like we could make it more sexy with a name change. What, who are you working uh, for? The fucking Christians? Yeah, yeah, maybe I am, man. Uh, I'm working for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A nice. noted fan of dry humping. That's right. He was big into that. He's like, he'd he always say it doesn't, it doesn't count it. if it's dry. Yeah. Because he was big on all that whether or not it counts stuff. Isn't that such a funny like framework to look at sex and sexuality through? It's like you just create these arbitrary distinctions of whether or not what you're doing counts as sinning or cheating or whatever the context is. But it's like, no, 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 this doesn't count. Are you talking about anal? Are you referencing every I was 90s stand-up comedian not, and talking about anal sex? I was actually, I was not thinking of anal. I was thinking of oh. like... Jesus. Well, I was thinking about anal. Well, yeah, anal is a, it is a vintage example, right? Because it's what it's the the line that all these people would wheel out. They'd say, "Well, I'm still pure in God's eyes." Because anal. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking like I'm imagining Jesus being like trying to sort of he does something and then he tries to explain to everyone why it's okay. And he's like, "No, no, no, because the you know, it's flesh on flesh is the problem. But if I hump Mary through this cassock, we're good. <laughs> I don't know if Jesus really, I feel like this is maybe something we've given Jesus. I don't know if Jesus was known for being a big advocate and proponent of dry humping. Though I could have that wrong. I haven't, you, you're probably more religiously educated than I. So what's the skinny guy was... Was JC yeah, I mean, a lot, of the Bi- a lot of the Bible is dry humping. And that is honestly yeah. what turns a lot of people off from the church, is they're like, I right. cannot tolerate feeling this pent up any longer. Like, is this guy going to get it out and get it on? Or am I just going to keep reading about him getting fucking cockburn from rubbing his penis up against his hemp cassock? What are the horny religions? Are there any real horny ones? Did Jehovah's uh, Witnesses have multiple wives, or or is that someone else? That's uh, Mormon fundamentalists, uh-huh. but that, that's not, that that situation is not very horny. It's kind of more entrapment style stuff. That is, um, yeah, it seems like subjugation more than your, a warning. Your, your baseline Mormons, from what I understand, very happy, sort of largely contented people. Mormon fundamentalists who are following a more extreme sect of the religion, no, no, no. Yeah, Mormonism's an interesting one because they uh, they found it themselves real late in the piece, like way further than you would think it would be possible to found a religion and have it take off. But do you know what else they did? They got it what? off the ground, and that they did. They really you've did. Got to respect. Yeah, they got it um, off the ground. Well done. I would love to talk like to you, Tim, about the the music of this movie because I think this had one of the most banging soundtracks since our early Doors Emanuels and also one of the most of-its-time soundtracks. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because um, I looked up the guy who did the music. I've forgotten his name. I think it's Marco. It starts with a C. Oh, did this guy do all the music? Because we covered at least two genres. 
Um, no, I think the sense that I got is that he was doing like the original compositions for it. But um, I'm actually going to find his name because, uh, listen, yeah, I'll, I'll have to it, admit but... to you guys. While the movie was on, I drifted slightly and had a little look at this guy's Wikipedia page. And he was a famous um, disco drummer and then went on to like produce a lot of music, put on. He was like famed for putting on a lot of shows. This, uh, this I'm makes sense because the, the soundtrack choices that weren't original score sounded like actual songs of the time. You sort of had that like yeah. early 2000s techno house style track. Um, yeah. After my turgid time moment had passed, it sort of there was a the the sex scene between Emmanuel and Paolo was scored to like this song that had the refrain "I'm not sleeping tonight," mm. and uh, it was sort of like up and a bit housey, and um, it was matched perfectly with a lot of these sort of panning cuts of these two having sex with very inaccurate sort of approximations of how genitals might align with each other or how mouth and genitals might align. But the, the general tone felt very of its time. And um, it really helped the scene whip along and soar. It's like some some uh, dawn of French house stuff going on, eh? Mm. It's got that, that disco groove. Cerrone is his name. That's his, like, performing name. His full name is Jean-Marc Cerrone, and he's still knocking around to this very day. An influential producer of 70s and 80s disco songs... Over 30 million album sales, would you believe, Guy? Including over 4 million in France alone. And what's so it, I think... What's his most famous song? Among, uh, apparently, um, Love in C Minor. Cerrone's Paradise. Supernatural. Um, I Yeah. He did... He In 1991, he played on the show Harmony to celebrate the launch of Japan's first high-definition TV satellite. 1991. Imagine that. I remember when Japan launched that high-definition TV satellite. I said, Were you involved? it's not going to work. I said, it's not going to work. you got Saron over here for nothing. This is going to be humiliating. And boy, was I wrong. And that's hey, when I learned. Out. Wait, what is this? Uh, the rock opera was... Pl- I don't, this is just a continuation of... What is the rock opera? I guess he wrote a rock, a rock opera at some point. was played to over 800,000 spectators at Tokyo Harbour. Cerrone adapted Harmony for theatre. In 1992, the musical Dreamtime, which was based on an original story by Cerrone, ran for 140 shows on Broadway at the Ed Sullivan Theatre. Hey. Famous for hosting... Uh, Tonight, the late night show. Is it still there? Like, do they still do it in there? I saw a Letterman taping there when he had Seth Rogen on. It was very cold in there, eh? You told me that, right? That they'd make it real cold? I might have. I don't remember it being cold. I mean, I barely remember the details of the show. I always envy people who are like, I was here at this time and I remember all of these details. And I feel like... I remember how I felt at obscure times from memories I did not choose to remember. Things that stay with me, I have no idea what's going to stay with me. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I just watched this movie, and I know I just told you that I, like, drifted onto Cerrone Wikipedia territory, but I really did make an effort to pay attention. I've forgotten most of the film. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Well, The fact that it was all in German didn't help, but mm. I still should remember more of it than I did. I well, I'll I'll walk you through a few other bits and bobs, Tim, because I also, like this movie had more twists and turns than a freaking Hydra slide. 
and uh, certainly my mental health and relationship to not just this film, but the entirety of the Emmanuel franchise and what we're doing, they were right there on the on the goddamn. They were on the slide with it. Like I was sort of just as soon as they started talking in German, and I went to see if that there was an alternative audio track or perhaps some subtitles, and there weren't. I thought, okay. I mean, this it's like how how are we here for a start? Which is you sent me one word, guy. We kicked off the movie. You sent me one word on Messenger, and that word was German. That's right. And I was like, what? Like, how am I watching? <laughs> how am I watching two thousands US softcore made for TV pornos in German? How? What? What decision? You know, like. You never know what decisions are going to lead to what in your life. And it's, you know, yeah. life is just a series of small decisions that don't feel significant in the moment, stacked on top of each other until you're looking down at every decision that's led you to this point. And you're thinking, I didn't realize that any of these were going to land me here. I had no idea that this was going to lead to this was going to lead to this and on and on and on and on. And so mm. here I was looking at all of the decisions that led me to being in this house at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday watching Emmanuel for the love of art or whatever the fuck it's called exclusively in German with nearly all of the sex scenes cut out. But I thought, <laughs> who have I wronged? What have I done? But I took solace knowing that my friend Tim was doing exactly the same thing. And then I thought, well, Tim has also made a series of decisions which has landed him in this position. What are we doing here? And then I sort of got into the movie and I quite enjoyed that it was in German. And I thought the soundtrack was good and all these other things. But, it, you know... As as the movie went, so too did my my journey with you know how I felt about myself, how I felt about this this project, what the future holds, and um, by the end of it, I actually was in a pretty good mood, and I sort of was like, well, that was that was fairly <laughs> painless, you know, like this is this is a part of my life, but it's not my legacy, is it? This isn't the only thing I've done or will do. Although well, when I'm inside of now, it, it feels like it is. Okay, so this is good because isn't that so motivating to think I can't let this be the major thing that I leave behind or am remembered for or am known for. So then you've got to beat your own record. Well, Tim, if this is how we're fr- framing it, there are two ways to do this. One of them yes. is to work harder outside of this and achieve, you know, achieve some form of personal, professional you know, like some fundamental element of philanthropic success or accomplishment that outstrips whatever this is. And the other one is to stop to stop doing this. I mean, is another way to outgrow this is to not watch any more porn. I genuinely think this consideration represents the two hosts of this podcast <laughs> because my approach will always be to stack more things on top of a precarious pile of things. And I think you're a bit more wise and you're like, well, maybe we should take some things off this pile, which is about to fall over. And I will always say, absolutely not. It just needs another thing on top to counterbalance the the other weight. 100%. I mean, do you you feel that's accurate? Yeah, I think so. But then, because I was thinking about it, I was was thinking about, like, you know, all of this stuff was swirling around. And then I was thinking about, because I was thinking about bringing this up in conversation with you. And then I was also thinking about like times when you've been furious at me. Um, and when I, in the, those moments have had this steadfast belief, I'm like, no, no, we must move forward. This is 
a part of the process is what it is. And then I was like, is that true now? And I, I mean, by and large, I do think that I respect the approaches. You, you'll say, no, no, you just got to keep going and put another thing on. And I'll be like, uh, you know, I mean, how do, how do we outgrow this legacy? First of all, I want to revisit something. Are you furious at me? It no, I'm not. To do with the fact that we're watching pornography. No, I'm not. I'm not furious at you. But I was thinking, like, I'm sort of. I feel lost and uncertain. And I was like, well, I know that Tim has felt this before. And then the most recent example I had of you articulating a version of that was when we were doing the Rob Schneider series, and you were just, and understandably too, but you were getting so cross. It's because you kept explaining what the title meant to me. What was I'm the sure title? Take like the opportunity to do again now. Uh, Asian Mama Mexican Kids by Rob Schneider and why was it called that I think it's because his mother is Filipino and his children are Mexican but if his mom's Filipino how are his children Mexican because he has a Mexican wife and mother to his children the truth shall set you free. And with that, Tim, I will endeavour to never explain the title of Rolf Schneider's special again. Because I've proved that I get it? Yeah. That took a really long time. That took what feels like almost a year. In fact, it might be almost a year for me to understand. <laughs> a real milestone we've hit. Um, so I guess is your question like, are we doing the right thing? That's the vibe I'm getting from you. No. By persisting with this. It's not are we doing the right thing, but it's just like some days you you turn the movie on and it makes perfect sense. Some days you're watching the porno. Sometimes the porno's watching you. Mm. And yeah, it's it was it was just one of those days where it didn't make a lot of sense to me. And even within that and that uncertainty I, I, I managed to enjoy myself. I mean, hell Tim, I got like a sixty percent erection over here. You know, if anyone's figured out how to watch these pornos, it's old turgid time Montgomery. Uh, credit where your credit's due. I would like to congratulate you on your uh, B minus, or maybe it's like C plus attempt at an erection. But I would also like to take a little bit of um, responsibility for the frustration that you felt, maybe the confusion on 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 like what are we doing here, sort of all at sea feeling that you had. While out fishing for a boner, you felt all at sea. A lot of maritime metaphors yeah. in this episode. Um, because this was in German. It baffles me still how these movies are so hard to source in English because they were made in the 2000s and their pornography, and yet you're telling me that a sensible English copy does not exist yeah. readily available on the internet. significantly is being made in the 2000s, they were also made... In English. <laughs> yes. Importantly, that is also true. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I just thought that everything was pretty easy to find online. And I guess that's not true. And I would also like to take this opportunity to thank so many fans, listeners to the show who have come out and provided some assistance with tracking these movies down. This is where this one came from. I wouldn't know where to find a German dub TV edit of a porno. Um, and I didn't know that that was what we were watching because I downloaded the file and didn't open it until this morning. But, but there you go. Here we, here we are. I mean, if we, so long as we are talking about this, this German edit, TV edit of, of Emmanuel, The Art of Love, um, there were, because I, I, we were sort of putting it together. So you got this Thomas Crown Affair type thing where the, the couple, the non-Emmanuel couple, steal the painting. Emmanuel sees them. She seems to think that it is, she takes issue with this behavior, I think. I feel like she challenges them to return the painting or perhaps... I think you're right. And I just want to add to that. So that is, I'm pretty sure, Marco and Zoe are that couple. Zoe and Marco. So Zoe and Marco steal this painting. Emmanuel pressures them to return it. Along the way, she also befriends them. And along the way, she also starts controlling Zoe sexually. And along the mm-hmm. way, she also meets Paolo, who is Marco's brother or friend. And then along the way, these characters also wind up on a boat. And along the way, uh, that guy, Saron, starts using a really cool sort of wind chime uh, SFX that sort of mm-hmm. like is the binding agent for all of the um, all of the boat scenes. Uh, like taped together with this wind chime SFX. And also they use this really cool editing feature, like a Looney Tune style blackout a few times in the movie where it's like at the end of the scene, when we thought they were going to get a foursome after Zoe and uh, Marco get engaged and Emmanuel and Paolo are on their couch naked after having had sex and you're like, oh, we're on here. Instead, you just get this like love heart that zooms in yeah. onto the screen until it blacks out entirely. It's, it's like a kind of a wipe, mate. Oh, I guess it's not a wipe, is it? But yeah, I don't. I wouldn't know what to call. It. I think Looney Tunes was the best example. It's like you know they they go that circle comes in, and the music and Porgy Piggy sometimes goes. That's all, folks. I would love it if that happened on these Emmanuel movies. Except it was some like disgusting guy with a moustache going. You just that's all, folks. I love that noise. 
how talented were the 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 Looney Tunes folks? They were making those a long time ago. They really were, guy. They were very good. There was probably like three people involved, just doing a hundred different voices. Mel, Blank. hey, um. He was the big one. So I know a fact about this movie, which may or may not be true, but I'm pretty sure is. I'm like 95% sure is true. I have a fact about this movie, Emmanuel and the Art of Love. And I want you to try and guess what the fact is. And you've got 10 guesses in a kind of um, 20 questions style to try and get to it. Okay. Your time starts now, and you have infinite time, but you have 10 guesses. All right, so I don't get a clue or anything to start. I just start talking. The so clue got- is, it is a fact about this movie we've just seen. Uh, <laughs> it's too open. Um, is, uh, is the fact relating to one of the actors in the movie? No. Uh, is the fact relating to one of the members of the production or creative team behind the movie? Yes. Is the fact pertaining to the director of the movie? Yes. Has the director gone on to achieve some version of success outside of the softcore pornography sphere? Not to my knowledge. Uh, Is the fact pertaining to... Something the director had done before the release of this movie. No. Huh. Was the director of this movie a New Zealander? No. Uh, I believe, was the director of this movie a woman? Yes. Is, is that the fact? Yes, because I'm pretty sure that was six. That was really good. I'm impressed. Uh, Jill Hayworth, I think, is the first female director we have had in the entire franchise. I think you are right as well. Did But I looked her up online and I can't find anything about her. But there are some photos in the Library of Congress of her for some reason. And then I assumed that it was a different Jill Hayworth. No, no. One and the same. Uh, I guess Tim, she is important as being the first female director in the Emmanuel Tim, franchise. Stop trying to pigeonhole women. They can be a member of Congress and direct 2000s. No, 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 no. <laughs> Not a member of Congress. Her photo as a director of pornography uh, is, is kept fi- because is... of its cultural significance in the Library of huh. Congress. Well, and you're telling me people who work in porn can't become a member of Congress? You are exactly <laughs> the sort of person I've spent my entire life railing against. You're doing such a good job of uh, purposefully misunderstanding the exact thing I'm telling you that you could be a member of Congress, guy. And now now you're telling me that I'm deliberately mm. misunderstanding something? There's only one person who can mediate this, and they're known for two things. Their ability to listen and the fact that they've had a boner for 50 years that is tucked very neatly inside of the collar of their shirt. <laughs> Please welcome to the room, George Lazenby. Yeah. Pow, pow. Watch out, it's me, yeah, nice. George Lazenby. Hey, George, seen any good movies recently? I have. I saw uh, Batman Returns at the cinema last Did you? Night. <laughs> at the cinema? Wow. 
Um, tell me, tell me, did you like it? I haven't seen that movie since I think I was a little kid. Well, yes, it came out in '92. I remember. I, I, I heard that Michael Keaton wasn't going to sign back on to be Batman, and I said, "Well, George Lazenby is around, and and Tim Burton. Well, he never liked me because uh, mm. Helena." Botham Cardish used to give me the eyes, and uh, Tim didn't trust me. So anyway, I got passed over, and Keaton eventually took the role, and I avoided it at the time, but I, I regret it because it was one of the great cinema experiences. I always got the sense that those two were kind of in an open relationship because they lived in separate houses. Mm. So I just felt like they had their own things going on. Well, they weren't limited by the normal constructs of um, a, a, a quote-unquote normal marriage. Yes, well, this is what I thought as well, but Tim's a pretty protective son of a gun. Anyway, right. he knows how to direct a movie in the early 90s. It had uh, Keaton as Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. It had uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in a defining role as Catwoman and Danny DeVito as the Penguin and uh, Christopher Walken as Shrek, some sort of businessman. Wow, I don't remember Christopher Walken being in it. Is he prominent in the film? Very. Does he do a good job? Fantastic. Okay. Um, and and is that the one where the bat suit has nipples? Didn't notice the nipples, nipples. But um Maybe that was the Clooney one actually, which I can't remember which one that was. The Clooney one was the that was Batman and Robin. Batman and I think. Robin? Yeah. Which I think I watched for um I think, the podcast yes. that I do. I listened to that, yes. Mm. Did you enjoy the episode? That the, means you're a Patreon supporter, which is very gratifying to hear, yes, George yes, Lazenby. Yes. yes. Well, whenever when you fellas turned to porn, I um I thought, well, maybe they'll whisper some erotic secrets in the Patreon, and I uh, subscribed, mm-hmm. and of course, I get access to all of the fantastic back catalogue of content <laughs> you've put out. Great, great, great stuff. Love that. Um. So, George, normally when you come here, we pitch you a porno. Yes. But today, I think we should take a similar approach that the version of the film we saw today had, which was kind of just skirting the sex stuff. Just maybe we do something else today. Okay. What are you thinking? Well, I'd like to ask your opinion on an art matter. If you go to an art gallery and you see a frame of moderate size that Mm. has been painted one solid color, Mm. albeit with a few distinguishing strokes. So it is visible that someone did it rather than some sort of mechanical process like a printer. Yes, yes. Do you think that it should be qualified to take up a position on the wall in place of, say, something else? My understanding of those paintings is always that the artist's original intention has not been realized that usually they've painted something so entirely sexual, erotic, and oftentimes despicable beneath the veneer of a block color that they've had to paper over the innermost turmoil and sexual anguish of their mind's eye with some loud green or out-there purple. But if you chip beneath the surface, you'll see the actualization of sexual depravity. Wow. And do you think that the threat of that image being in the room but not visible justifies the the painting being on the wall? Absolutely. 
Well, it's been great to have you here, George. Thank you so much for stopping by. I've got to start asking you about more shit than just pornos because uh, clearly you're a learned and fascinating man. With I am very opinions. intelligent, but you must remember the, the reason I come in every week is I'm looking for a, a pornographic film that can relieve me from take, the... Take the week off, George. Agony. We're on glide time. Okay. Bye. Good day. He's a good guy. He's all right. George lays <laughs> He seems a bit sus, but I think his heart's in the right place. Um, I'm I'm loath to wrap up, but I do want to. Uh, the bit that I'm loath about is I feel like we really haven't talked about the film very much, um, which I, I feel bad about. I think we we I got into the don't film know if a there's bit. There's a lot to talk about though. A few things I want to say. Every time a character yeah. when they were on the boat, whenever they said Marco. I just wanted someone to say Polo. And there was a guy called Paolo in here, so they really could have set that up. I know. Um, what else have I got here? The uh, Oh, the, 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 the last song. We're talking soundtrack. The last song, that sort of soft 2000s rock that serves as the crescendo for the makeup sex at the end. What the fuck was that? That came out of nowhere and matched none of the other music. It was like someone just slapped it on. Yeah. But... um. It, I, it still placed me in the year 2000. It was a total departure yeah. from every genre choice I'd made so far. But I was like, wow, this movie really knows where it is in time. Mm, that's true. Can I ask you a question about this movie? Yeah. Did you enjoy the scene where the woman masturbated fully clothed against a wall and a whole lot of art patrons just kind of watched? Deeply. Very good. I'm rating... The German TV edit of Emmanuel and the Art of Love, two and a half out of five. I'm rating. No, it, that's two fence. That's two fence city. It's three. I'm rating it R13 out of a possible R18. I like that rating system. Uh, all right, folks, we'll catch you in the next exciting episode of The Worst Idea of All Time, where we will be watching another porno. Will it be in English? Probably not. Will it have a duration to last the full 90 minutes? If I have anything to do with it, yes, it will. Will Guy Montgomery finally achieve a full-blown erection? Tune in next time to find out. Time to tell. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.